Hey everyone, today's guests are lead vocalist Amy Interrupter and guitarist Kevin Bavona from the Los Angeles, California ska punk band, The Interrupters. Together we dissect the writing, recording, mixing, and inspiration behind their brand new lead-off single, In The Mirror, taken from their soon-to-be-released fourth full-length album, In The Wild. This song is pure Interrupters. Amy went in-depth behind the song's lyrics, which tell her story of coming to grips with who she was as a person. Her words are deeply personal and autobiographical, and she held back nothing on this track. The production is top-notch, with the record being self-produced by Kevin. The band had the luxury of building their own studio where they live, and they took the better part of the last two years writing and recording this album to get it just right. Zach Servini mixed the album, and the results are incredible. I've watched the Interrupters from the very beginning, and it's been so cool to witness their evolution. They've taken a big jump with this record. As I said before, this is pure Interrupters, but with a sonic gloss and a sound that is what I consider timeless. So let's all sit back, relax, and take a good hard look in the mirror. This is a good one. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Amy, Kevin, how's it going? Good. Good. How are you? I'm fantastic. I am fantastic. For for the listeners, this is a uh, a canned little back and forth here that we're saying hello. We were talking before we started recording, and uh, it is it is good to see your faces. It's been a minute. I know. Yes, it's so good to see you. Yeah, it has. It's been way too long. It it has. You know, and I was thinking, I was actually talking to Kevin the other day. You know, when when less than Jake, a couple of us came out there to do backing vocals. Was that around 2016? 2015 October. Okay, so that was before uh, Say It Out Loud came out in 2016. Yeah, you guys were singing on Say It Out Loud. Right. It was the week of It's Not Dead Fest, and you guys happened to be in town staying like a mile away from us. That's right. And at the time, you guys had kind of off of your living room, family room, had like what I'd consider kind of a den that you had your Pro Tools rig and you had like a, I think it was like a piano or something and a bunch of others. It was cr- we were all crammed in there. But I guess since then, you have went ahead and uh, in the backyard there in your garage, you made a studio we did we moved all of that equipment you know during the lockdown into a space and turned that space into a studio and when i say turned it into a studio the twins like got power tools we got a bunch of plywood they built all the racks all the furniture it's like a tiny home in there because it's a small room it's like 10 by 20 so we had to raise up the couch to put drawers underneath and we got a piano a hammond organ we have all our amps built into isolation boxes on the other side of the wall we didn't know how long it was going to last and we were like we need a way to like make music you know right so you're, you're telling me the twins know how to do something besides play drums and bass they can work power tools they what? learned yeah they watched youtube videos <laughs> like a lot of youtube videos on how to build stuff and yeah they That's figured awesome. it out i remember we drilled a hole in the wall to, to put the cables through and we watched a youtube video of somebody installing a dryer vent with this like <laughs> drill bit that puts a hole in the wall and we're like that's good enough let's just watch this video well that is so cool and you know i went back to, and i always do research for these episodes you know you, you were formed in 2011 the first self-titled album came out in 2014 uh, on august 5th which by the way your new album in the wild will be out august 5th yeah i don't know if that, you guys are really consistent with these that was dates, just a huh? weird coincidence it really was we noticed that ourselves <laughs> like wow that's so weird but yeah <laughs> the the second record we just talked about say it out loud 
in 2016 was on June 24th. The next record, Fight the Good Fight, in 2018 was June 29th. You're off by five days there. But what I noticed, though, every two years you were releasing a record, and I think it's safe to say if it wasn't for the pandemic, that you, know, you probably would have had a record out sooner. How do you feel that whole thing shaped this album? It had an immense effect on this record. I mean, we had time, I think, which was on our side to just really hash out songs that we were working on. We had about 80 ideas that we had been working on and we got that down to 40 songs. And then from the 40 songs, we looked at it and we sort of realized that, you know what? I'm actually kind of telling my life story here. Let's just cut the songs that don't tell my story. And, um, and that's basically what the record became. I know this from being in a band for 30 years. Sometimes you get cabin fever being, around, especially recording, you'll, you'll go somewhere and you'll be you holed up uh, in, in the same room all day. And you, know, you guys all live together. So, you know, does it ever get to the point where you're like, I need a, I need a break here. I can't, especially during the pandemic. I mean, what else did you have to do? The state was pretty much locked down. You, besides go to the studio and record, did, did you, were you working the whole time through or was there spurts where you, you'd back off and take a break? I'm always writing. We're always writing. Yeah, when the lockdown first happened, we were pretty exhausted from a pretty grueling tour schedule. So when when the whole world shut down, it was really interesting because we went into the studio to start writing for a record. We were with Tim at his studio, and this is the week that like everything shut down, and we're like kind of writing songs, getting this idea together. We didn't have a record per se, but we were kind of kicking around some ideas, and then the whole world shut down, and in that, we took a break, and in that break, we were like, kind of realized we needed to take some time with this, so we put out a live album. We made a film called This Is My Family around the live album that's a, like a concert film with documentary stuff, and that kind of like tied us over creatively where we were working on something, but we didn't have to like really think about the new record until like the fire was burning in us for like, we have to make a new record. And you know, this record, you self-produced it, Kevin. And what was, what was that like? You know, I know when I say you did, you know, your name's on it by yourself this time and it's not a co-production with Tim or anybody, but you've, you've been producing your band for a long time. You know what you're doing, but to finally take the reins, what was that like? Was there any uh, trepidation or any, any fear with it? Because, you know, when I'm recording myself and I, and I want to ask you this, when is the guitar sound good enough? You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when, when, when is the vocal good enough, Amy? Like, when are you finally, and I sometimes need someone there to go, Chris, that was great, move on, you know? How, how do you filter yourself? Well, I mean, the, the good thing is we had three full-length records under our belt as the interrupter, so our rapport as a band and how we record, like the actual process, wasn't very much different in the fact we get into a room, the four of us, we hash out a song, Amy sings along, we figure out the tempo, we figure out what feels good, and then the next day, me and the twins will go in fresh, cut the rhythm track live, drums, bass, and guitar. And, you know, I think the big difference with the recording process of this one, which was kind of exciting, you know, as the producer to, to see Amy work on her own schedule. Because when you're working on a record and you're in a big studio and there's engineers, you know, everyone's time is so valuable, like, if you have a vocal session booked at 7 p.m., you got to show up at 7 p.m. and sing that vocal. It doesn't really matter how you're feeling, you know, but yeah. with this one, it was like she sang the song when she felt like she was ready to sing the song. And I, I hear it in the performances. And I think that all comes across on this record. A lot of the time it'd be two or three in the morning and I get my second wind and I'm thinking of one of the songs that I want to sing. And 
depending on my mood, I could pick the song. It's like, I want to do this song because I'm feeling this emotion right now. And I know it's two in the morning, but can we just go back there? And Kevin just like <laughs> make some coffee, make some night coffee. Yep. And I got to only sing in the moments that I was feeling those emotions. You know what I'm saying? Which I think is was really... It was really nice to be able to do that. That's awesome. Like I, I know the listeners can't see, but you guys can. I got a smile from ear to ear because I'm so, so, I'm so happy for you, I, I, at your band. I've always loved you, and I have been just honored. Kevin sent me the record probably three months ago. I haven't played it for anybody. I didn't even play it for my band. <laughs> you know, I didn't. I didn't want one of my guys to be like, "Dude, you got to give me that. It sounds so good." And like somehow it got leaked. I didn't want to be that guy. But I listened to it. We just uh, did a trip over to uh, to the UK, and uh, I, I listened to the album in my car. You know, sporadic songs, and I had some favorites. And I said, I want to listen to this from track one till the end. And I was on the plane, and I listened to the record. And you bared your soul, Amy. It's it's pretty raw. Where did that spark come from? I mean, you've had other lyrics in the past that, that, that you've touched on some, what I feel is some personal things, but this is a whole other level. Well, thank you for all of that. That's very kind, and it means a lot that you listen to it in order because it's actually. The record is was created to listen to it in order, uh, to tell a story, to tell my life story, actually, from the beginning till now. We were doing a movie called This Is My Family that we put up on YouTube, and as we were putting it together, we were going through old clips of us as children and old videos and old, um, just looking at our whole life, you know? And as we're kind of trying to tell the story in the movie, it sort of clicked. I had realized I hadn't really tell my, told my story. In, in our records, like my story, you know what I mean? And so that's when I started pulling songs off that didn't fit in with the story that I wanted to tell. But I think the biggest reason why it's so honest and so soul-bearing and so real is because I was finally able to be honest and real with myself. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, uh, it, it, you know, <laughs> bands always say it's the old thing. You know, our, our newest record's the greatest thing we've ever done. I think this is the best record you guys have ever done. Thank I you. Do. And I, I want to talk real quick about Zach Servini before we go any further. The guy who mixed this, okay, because uh, his resume includes All Time Low, Blink-182, Five Seconds of Summer, to name a few. I mean, the guy's 28 years old. He is just absolutely killing it. His mixes. They just have this this pop sheen to them, but the delays he uses on the vocals and, and the pre-delays and everything is just, it's awesome. Was he your top pick or were there anybody else in the running to mix the record? We discussed others. We discussed, you know. Yeah. And there's so many great mixers out there that would be perfect. Zach, you know. He mixed our bad guy single. So you're a tough guy, like you're really rough guy. Just can't get enough guy, just always a buff guy. And that was the first time we had worked with him with the interrupters. I knew him a little bit because when he was engineering for John Feldman and Blink was recording their record with him, I actually went by the studio just to like kind of hang out and listen to stuff one day and I met him and then I would kind of see him here and there at events and stuff. So we knew each other a little bit, but I remember hearing something he had put up when we were on tour one time and I just thought we were talking about it and we were like, I wonder what we would sound like if he mixed our band. I didn't know he mixed that because that, that track sounds incredible. Well, thank the you. interesting thing about that track and thank you is we had been playing it all summer on tour 
And then we started getting these comments from people that were at the shows, like, where can I hear that? Did you guys record that? Are you gonna record that? And we were, as we were getting home from tour, cause it was Amy's idea. She's like, we should throw this cover in the set. I think it'd be really fun. It was a huge song at the time. And we were playing out with the Dirty Heads in 311 and we just thought it felt like a good kind of song to do on that tour. So we're, we're on our way home from that tour and we were like, we should record it. But like, are we gonna go into a studio and like track it and try to do it? And, and then kind of the general consensus was, well, we've been doing it live. Let's just play it live, but we'll video ourselves playing it live. And then we'll make a video. We'll have them like edit it. And, and then we'll just put out this, it was one take in the studio and we'll get a really good mixer to mix it. And so I hit up Zach, he was down. We sent it to him and it was crazy too because there's drums bleeding in Amy's vocal mic. Like we're in the same room, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And the way he got her vocal to jump like out yeah. of the speakers, her voice already, jumps out of the speakers, but when you're battling cymbal bleed and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, right. Yeah, how he mixed a song that was live, all of us in the same room, and he got the clarity of the vocal, blew our minds, and we just, we fell in love with him. Yeah, and it was mix one, too. No no I, notes. I never would have known. I thought you guys tracked it all separately, and it was all pristine, the way it sounds. that that That's absolutely amazing. And and again, it's it's just genius. I mean, Billy, uh, she's one of the biggest stars right now, so you got people searching for her song. They come upon your band, bang you have some more it's 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 just it's great the how, how the whole thing worked out in his mix and again what he did on this record this record's undeniably your band it doesn't sound like anybody else but the interrupters but it's just it's just got just that uh I, I call it the it factor it's just a step up from from your other records you guys really took a jump with this one thank well, you so much thank you a lot of love went into it a lot of you know, no real schedule and time constraints. So we were like able to like, I mean, there's a song on there. We wrote the bridge like eight months after we tracked the song because after <laughs> living with it, we were like, we need a bridge. So we <laughs> muted the guitar solo and Amy started singing something one day and we were like, that's it. Let's track that and let, you know. Right. And sometimes, you know, back to the, the pandemic question is that sometimes if you don't have that kind of time, you already finished it, it's mixed and mastered, and then eight months later you're like, oh, it's too late yeah. <laughs> to put that bridge up. But we had yeah. the time to reflect on on things and in, in the writing and change lyrics if we needed to. Yeah. Well, good for you. It sounds like you have your, your formula down because I know that you know sometimes you can cook an idea for too long and it ends up losing the original original spirit. And I know you I know you're aware of that. You've been 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 doing this long enough, and uh, that can be unfortunate sometimes. But the song we're going to talk about today is the uh, first single from the record, In the Mirror. Uh, this one uh, jumped out at me immediately when I listened to the record. The song after this amazing i think that's going to be your lead off track uh i believe or the, when the record comes yeah, out raised by wolves. Um, oh yeah raised by wolves that oh can we talk about the song title okay yeah, yeah raised by wolves it, yeah the track list is out so yeah okay yeah. and then and then i'm blanking on the ballad uh the name of the uh, ballad at the end alien uh, alien thank you um those three just i got goosebumps just thinking about it just jumped jumped out of the speakers at me love it uh this track in the mirror is three minutes and four seconds it starts uh, right in the intro with this kind of i don't know if it's a backwards symbol or is that the timbali that's happening there with the echo on it it's a it's a snare but it's a snare that's super cranked that hit opens the song with the chorus for eight measures just the kick drum guitar and bass playing single notes with Amy's vocal halfway through there's this uh I was calling it a timbali but that snare hit with the with the echo on it again and the whole band stops when Amy says always end up back here there's a couple hand claps there that are in time with drum hits and then a vibra slap takes us into verse one no matter how far I run, I always end up back here no matter how far I run, I 
chorus lyric at the top is no matter how far I run, I always end up back here. No matter how far I go, I always end up back here. And before I have Amy break those lyrics down, I realized that uh, your last big single, She's Kerosene, opened up with the chorus right off the top. And this one does too. Let's just get right into it. We don't need any weird intro. And that's awesome. That's awesome that you were right in there. And uh, if, if you can, Amy, set up, set up these lyrics. Well, this song's super deep and it, it's, it's uh, very personal. But basically, I had a realization one day about 10 years ago when I first started writing this song. And it was a pretty brutal realization that I had this God-sized hole and I was in so much emotional pain and I was in so much darkness, I guess I could, could say, and depression. And I had was up all night drinking and I drank so much alcohol this particular night and I realized, it was so devastating because I realized, oh my gosh, like there's actually no, I'm, I'm trying to run from myself by drinking all of this alcohol, but there's actually not enough alcohol in the entire world to kill the pain that I have. And all of the things that I've been doing to, to try and numb myself from this pain and run from this pain, and believe me, I did a lot of running and numbing. I realized that there just wasn't enough alcohol in the entire world or medications in the entire world to fill that hole in me and to fill that pain, to fix that pain. There just like, there just wasn't because that particular night when I, the seed of this song, I, I mean, I, it was like, how much more could I possibly drink? But yet the pain was still there. And I also realized that, oh my gosh, this is like, and it really was like so depressing for me in that moment. I was like, I'm always going to end up waking up in the morning sober. No matter how much I try and run today, like I'm going to wake up sober and I'm going to have to look in the mirror with like so much self-hatred, so much regret, so much. And now my pain is like even worse than it was the day before. So like I'm compounding my pain. The more I'm trying to run from it, actually the worse it's getting until... I decided to stop doing all of those things that numb my pain and to stop doing all of those things that I'm running from and to take a look in the mirror. So that's, I mean, it's so much deeper and so much longer, but that's, that's the sh I guess that's the short answer. <laughs> uh, well, uh, thank you for, for opening up and sharing that. That is very deep. You, you hit it well. I did a number of tours with you. I, we were in Europe one night and I hope you don't mind me sharing this little tidbit, but you were having a moment before you were supposed to go on stage. And I, I said, what's going on? I, I didn't know if you were joking or what. Cause again, your band is fun. We've had fun together. It was always laughs and good times. And you, you told me you were having a crippling anxiety attack. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, well, what, what can I do to help you? And I'm trying to talk you through it. And you're, and you're just having this moment, you know? And, and I, I, I remember that. And that was, that was frightening to see because I knew that was real. You weren't just like, you know, having a moment, like someone made you mad backstage. You, there was something going on and, and, and uh, that's kind of, I think, kind of what I think you're talking about here. And that is exactly what I'm talking about, is that I would have like panic attacks, like horrible, like where I just can't breathe. And um, so I'm like, <laughs> you're going to make me cry, Chris. But I would have these panic attacks where I Sorry. could not breathe. 
I just could not breathe. I mean, they were real debilitating panic attacks and um, that I would have for years. But then I would go on stage and just be smiling, you know, like and just be put on a, a, a put on a smile. But inside I was like dying, like inside I I was really having a hard time. And um, and so, yeah, so it's like putting on a smile for everyone else when inside you just like feel like you are actually dying, you know, and and yeah, that's part of part of what I'm talking about. Again, thank you for sharing that. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry you you went through that. Again, and I'm better I, now. I, I, I'm better now. <laughs> you, 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 you look better and you, and you do seem better. But hey, I'll tell you something. Go look at the comments uh, on YouTube. Of, of, and I've seen them on, online as well and, and other places, Instagram, Facebook, uh, the comments of, of people uh, with the lyrics to this song. That you're helping people through what you went through, and that's that's awesome, you know. And and as we all know, music heals. I want to get into uh, verse one. Uh, the whole band here's in. Uh, the keys are playing the upstrokes uh, with the clean guitar and the bass. The bass sounds killer here, just awesome. I mean, Justin's just ripping. interesting uh what you just said it took you a long time to write this song and that's kind of what it says here took me two years to write this song i wanted it perfect no wrinkles in it took me a long time to come clean to be honest the truth's so ugly and on the second line wrinkles in it there's this echo on the vocals when you say it and on the word ugly there's this echo it's like that uh um that 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 two-tone dub uh echo thing like box that you use on stage uh, (laughs) that uh your your thing um again (laughs) it's your thing at the end of the verse there's those two claps with the drum hits and you know within songs there's hooks and those claps i can i can already see the audience clap into those parts you know and that's what makes a a great song is all those little hooks but uh, if you could set up these lyrics it's interesting because it took two years to write this song has literally nothing to do about how many how long it took me to write the song it's just setting up how how it took a long time to do my inventory that's that's just kind of what that is in reference to it's not uh, even though it did take me 10 years and the lyric is two years because two years sings better than 10 years but it's it was just about like it this took me a really long time to be honest with myself and to to do my own inventory um and then the the wrinkles in it i wanted it perfect no wrinkles in it is a metaphor it's about my perfectionism and not wanting to look at myself because if I do, what if I find something that I, I, I don't like? Or what if I, you know, um, it's scary. So the no wrinkles in it isn't about like looking at myself in the mirror and seeing wrinkles. It's a metaphor for the perfectionism and wanting things to be perfect to the point where it's debilitating. Where like you literally can't move because, and you can't stop. Um, sometimes if I know that I have to do something that's hard, I won't even start doing it because, so it's just easier to kind of keep drinking. It's easier to numb because I just don't want to look at the wrinkles. I, I want it to be perfect. I, I'm, It's too messy to look at, you know? It's just about the ugliness of sifting through your own personal inventory and how hard that can be and not wanting it to be perfect when you look at yourself, you know? And also when you look in the mirror, 
If you stare at yourself in the mirror for a really long time, like all, you can find all these imperfections if you're, you know, and I don't have to stare for very long for me. <laughs> but, you, <laughs> but it isn't, but it isn't about, it isn't about looking in the mirror physically. It's about wa- looking in the mirror and not wanting to see the wrinkles, like not wanting to see any imperfections, like really just going, you know what, I, th- let's just have it take a hard, honest look. And I didn't want to take a hard on a slope because I didn't want to see anything imperfect. So that's why it took me a long time, if that makes any sense. It makes absolute sense. And I, I love the word wrinkles in, in a lyric. I, I don't think I can recall hearing it. And I think it's a, it's a great, great use of it here. Before we go on to the pre-chorus, pre-chorus one, I, I mentioned the vibra slap taking us into verse one. How do we tell the listeners what a vibra slap is? It was, it was the thing in Ozzy's crazy train. I know that. <laughs> okay, so it's a percussion instrument that like a cer- snake rattle almost. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a rattle and you hit it and then it kind of goes. Grrr. But the thing is, we've found early on. I mean, two of the people I've worked with a lot in my life is Tim Armstrong and Travis Barker, and both of those guys in in working on stuff that they've produced love the vibra slap. And I grew a taste <laughs> for the vibra slap, and we all love the vibra slap. And it's it serves the same purpose as like a symbol. It's an it's an attack. It kind of lets you know there's a scene change, but there's a kind of tongue in cheek quirkiness to it that I just love. And like, trust me, there, it's all over every single one of our records. And the ones you hear, just imagine the ones that we had to delete because we were like, okay, there's too much vibra <laughs> yeah, slap yeah, on yeah. this song. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, when the vibra slap is used correctly, like this song, it's, it's awesome. But I've heard it in some, so I'm like, why is that there? But uh, it, it's great here. Pre-chorus one, there's uh, this single, slightly overdriven guitar chord that comes at the top of it. Just one that, that, that rings out there. The pre-chorus number two, and we'll get to it in a little bit, the guitar rings out with every chord change there. But on this first one, it's just the top chord, and I think that's awesome. That rings out over the band. The organ is here doing pads. Took me a long time to come home. I didn't think... You'd get me. I had too much explaining. And on the first two lines, there's the first harmonies that we hear in the song. And on the last line, the band stops on explaining. And there's two kick drum hits followed by two hand claps uh, with two more drum hits. And again, I, I wrote my notes, hook, because it's just those claps. And it takes us into uh, to chorus one. But if you can, Amy, set up, uh, set up these pre-chorus lyrics. So it took me a long time to come home. So it's... The best way I can describe it is my drunk self talking to my sober self. So, you know, being, being, you know, when you're drunk or you're drinking and then you have to come home to like a sober person who wants to talk to you, it's like, yo, like I'm not coming home. All right. I don't, you know what I mean? And why was I out so late? I'm going to have to explain to that sober person why I was out so late. Like why I was doing the things I was doing. I'm going to have to explain to my sober self. My sober self was the person like waiting up at night, you know, waiting for the drunk me to come home. So that's what that's about. Like the disappointment my sober self would have to realize once I came home, it's like I had too much, the drunk Amy had way too much explaining to sober Amy. <laughs> and so um, that's what that's about.
Hey, everybody. We got to take a quick break, but we're going to give you everything we got with Amy and Kevin from The Interrupters after a few words from our sponsors. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there. Hey, Chris Makes a Podcast producer Chris Fafalius here. You may have heard me talk about my band Punchline before. Maybe you already know us, or maybe you're hearing about us for the first time right now. It doesn't matter. No matter what your relationship with Punchline is, I will absolutely guarantee that you'll love our new podcast, A Band Called Punchline. Starting with our humble beginnings in a small town in southwestern Pennsylvania in 1997, we're telling the hilarious, strange, and hopefully inspiring story of the 25-plus years of our band in the most honest way possible, podcast style. A Band Called Punchline is an audio documentary available now wherever you get your pods. So subscribe and let me and my friends share a wild, entertaining, unique, and wonderful tale of music and perseverance unlike any other that's still being written today. Now, back to the show. Well, chorus one, just shy of a minute, we hit chorus one, and you've already heard the hook at the top of the song. The only thing here is the refrain of In the Mirror at the end. This whole part just lifts. No matter how far I run, I always end up back here. No matter how far I go, always end up back here. In the mirror, in the mirror, in the mirror, only in the mirror. And uh, no matter how far I run, there's harmonies on that. And on run, the run is then held out really long with backing vocals with harmonies on it. It's just chill inducing it's great no matter how far i go on go you have out those held out harmonies as well uh there's a slightly overdriven stereo guitars that are ringing out on the chord changes of the chorus and uh on the last line uh on the first in the mirror we get the vibra slap comes back makes an appearance uh all four of in the mirrors have harmonies on it on the uh third in the mirror there's the uh, what i'm calling uh kevin the police clash guitar off to the right yeah <laughs> how else would you describe that that you know what just to speak to the production really quick i'll never forget like the first time amy ever sang me this song when she got to the in the mirror in the mirror she sang that part and i just heard new wave in my head i was like this is like a new wave hook. So when we went in to record the song, I had all these elements I wanted to use of like our favorite kind of new wave stuff. That's why the hand claps, it's a Lynn drum hand clap, like an old eighties drum machine. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's why those guitars are going jank, jank. It's like a police kind of 
uh, Andy Summers guitar. There's a chorus pedal on a lot of the guitar parts, and right. even even those it's, vocal delays and all of that was to kind of serve this like blondie talking heads police fantasy that we had in the studio <laughs> while still being interrupters but just like peppering these elements of new wave which by the way i told you the other day that the album cover looks straight out of 1983 i love oh, yeah. it awesome got, thank yeah. you it, no it looks great it looks like totally like like a you know an early 80s uh, uh new wave album cover you know something the cars or something would have done awesome, great yeah. shout out to uh, jay bonner <laughs> that clash police guitar i'm talking about it's, it's like uh, uh roxanne or walking on the moon from the police it's that guitar it's just perfectly put there and then at the very end, uh, there's that snare triplet, uh, and then there's echo uh, on the mirror. That that uh, echo echo comes back, and uh, we go straight into uh, verse number two. In the always felt so out of place in a crowded room i speak too soon yeah i put a big smile on my face i can't let them know it's all for show no yeah i mean it's heavy and it's so true and like we were speaking before about you know before i went on stage and then after but but the you know how i was able to cover up a lot of my major depression and panic disorder i've had any a lot of anxiety that i have had since a little girl like a diagnosed anxiety disorder. And when I get in a group of people and around a group of people, I used to drink to help with my nerves and my anxiety. And I would be like the loudest person in the room and what seemed to be the most confident person in the room. But inside, I was because I was so nervous to be around people and had so much anxiety that that's kind of how it showed itself. But I seemed like I was like the... The life of the, the party. life of the party. And you know what? Let me just interject. Yeah, here. you were the life of the party. Yeah. <laughs> you still are the life of Thank the party. You. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, it comes off as like I'm the life of the party, and everyone's like having the best time, and it looks like I'm having the best time, but really inside, again, I feel like I don't fit in. Like I just don't belong. I just, I, you know, and I, I just, I've always felt so out of place. I mean, even growing, just growing up, like my whole life, I've just felt like. I've I've never felt comfortable. Well, I do now, but when I wrote this lyric and all of my most of my life, I just never felt comfortable in my own skin. And it was just this so much um anxiety about being a human being. <laughs> like it just always like freaked me out. Um and so I know that's like weird, but I just that's what that lyric's about. It's about well who I am on the outside and who I am on the inside and how I'm and a lot of the time I would go to a party, I mean, not, I mean, so many times I'd be at parties or hanging out with people and then I'd wake up, you know, sober the next day and then just be like, what did I do? What did I say? And like beat myself up and then just go do it all again the next day. It's about stopping that cycle. In order for me to write that, I guess what I'm saying is I had to stop, stop that cycle and go gotcha. like, what are you running from? Like, why do you feel like you have to do that? Why do you feel like you have to be the life of the party? Like, it's okay to just like have some like coffee and like be a good listener. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, I'm just, it's, I can look back to that time. And, and as, as Kevin said, you, and you even said you were the life of the party. Thanks. So much fun. Your Thanks. whole band. And I, and I had no idea at all 
what you were going through. And it's just, uh, you know, uh, to, to see you that night that I, that I spoke of was just, it was heart wrenching to, to see a friend like that. And I'm glad, so glad, glad you're feeling better. Uh, verse two, there's a killer delay on the first line, the, the word place, but it's not really loud. There's just this little like delay that happens there. I love what Zach did there. I'm assuming Zach did that in the mix. The long delays we had in there before, a lot of what he did effects wise was like the sauce of the vocal, but anything that's specialty, like the throws, like the, eh, 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 like we, we did that, but he definitely treated them. You know, he put them where he thought they okay. should go and colored them how he shot, thought they should be colored. So, well, this wasn't an echo like that Amy has on like mirror, the big echo. This yeah, is a yeah. very subtle, uh, subtle little, little thing that happens that, that I thought was cool. Uh, verse two, we're getting some harmonies on the second line in a crowded room. I speak too soon. Uh, the third line. I put a big smile on my face. That's just Amy. And then when she says, yeah, there's an echo on. Yeah. Vibra slap happens again. And there's this ha ha ha, like laugh off to the left speaker panned. What was that all about? Was that just something you were in a vocal take that got left in, or was that on purpose? It's like a sinister laugh. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, was, yeah, it sounds like an evil laugh. I was recording the um, harmonies, and sometimes I'll do ad libs on my harmony track to just just for fun, just to see if anything pops out. A lot of our first and second record, like when I do my harmonies, toasting, whatever, if it's cool, yeah. they'll be like, well, that was cool, that should stay. And that was just one of those things I did. And Amy was like, I like that. That, you know, like it yeah, that has sense. to stay. <laughs> it, has the, it has the darkness of what she's actually saying, where she says, smile on my face. And it's like, ha, ha, ha. It's like, it's, I don't know, it just kind of, but yet still fun in a weird way like it's it's interesting now breaking down these lyrics and listening to you guys talk about it because the track itself has so much life and so much energy and it's it's such heavy subject matter but i feel like the the vessel to get it across is like a dance a uplifting yeah. new wavy ska dance song you know well that's what i've always loved about ska music it have the most depressing lyrics with upbeat music and it kind of there's this strange dichotomy that that, that works together and it, it, it's beautiful uh, i love that ha 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 that's that's just a, a cool little part and I'm, I'm glad it wasn't just an accident so to speak it was kind of meant meant to be there there's an echo on no the very last line the keys are following the guitar upstrokes here again there's killer organ pads halfway through verse two that just uh, uh re- really add to it pre-chorus two it's the same lyric as pre-chorus one. ask when the when the pre-chorus lyric is the same sometimes it'll change did you feel like there was enough information here lyrically that you you wanted to keep pre-chorus to the same or was there any other lyrics that you had there maybe that were going to be there i did have another lyric there and when you listen back you want to hear you just want the ear just wanted to hear the pre-chorus again with the same lyrics so that's why i changed I changed the melody a little bit from the first one. The first one's, I hold the note, the, took me a long time to come home. But the second time I did, I just did a little come home. Like I did like a yeah. little. And there's some pulses and get little me. Pulse, yeah, little yeah. pulses there. Because um, in putting another lyric in, which we had, oh man, I just missed the pre-chord. Like I just missed the, the lyric to kind of sort of drive home that point. <laughs> Here's something we as performers like to think we're being highbrow sometimes. I'm going to change up the second. 
I, I've had this happen where I've been playing live and I'll look out and the person singing the first pre-chorus to different lyrics on the second time, I'm like, damn it, we should have kept it the same. <laughs> Why didn't we keep it the same? And sometimes if it's not broke, don't fix it. And the, I think the lyrics here are, are perfect and they're warranted to be said twice. Thank you. Uh, so the same lyrics here, uh, but there's those guitar chords I talked about earlier. They're on every change here. And it just kind of it, it is building the song. Talk a little bit about that, Kevin. You know, we, we had recorded the song kind of with the ri- basic rhythm track and it was just kind of missing some teeth. So I went over it with with the guitar a couple times and tried some wild stuff. And in the process of doing that, I had just done this kind of single note. You know that first, uh, the beginning of Dark Side of the Moon, how it's like, bum. There's something about the effectiveness of like a single note on like a telly kind of sounding guitar. So I just wanted to try that because it's got this like ominous, there's something ominous about it. And it, yeah, that's just kind of like what I felt would kind of help build it to the next part. Like we threw an organ in the second verse that wasn't in the first verse. Yeah. That was originally a woe part, but it was just like taking away too much of like what was happening in the song. Remember the woe? Yeah. And then we just did it on organ. It fit better. So it's kind of all about. Those types of things, I always take a step back. Vocal is king. So let the vocal do its thing and where, get in where you fit in. But like the, the interesting thing about being in the band and being the producer is like, I have to be a, a producer that really listens to the other band members because in, in one session, I could over just put stuff on there. And if, the, and if the twins and Amy, if Amy hears something and she's like, that's distracting me right now. I'm not, I'm not feeling that. I kind of know like, okay, now the producer has to say, singer, you're right. I'm going to mute that. You know what I mean? It's like, I have to like switch hats real quick. Well, and, and you got to put your feelings aside sometimes too. Cause you know, sometimes your feelings get her like, man, I really like that part. You don't like the part, you know? You know what is the interesting thing about feelings in the studio is, is I have such a long, so many years of just working with such great people. And the thing about working with Tim for so many years is we had a saying in the studio, he'd always be, we'd be like, what do you think? And he'd be like, well, do you want honest or supportive? You know? And when, and I think I said this on the (laughs) podcast last time, maybe even, and, and just like kind of seeing how, you know, like Tim, who's been in the business forever and how he operates and how much we've learned from working with him. And then just working with all these people, it's like, I've almost built it into my vernacular when I go to record on someone else's record like I'm gonna try some ideas if you don't keep them my feelings won't be hurt because I actually mean that I want the songwriter and whoever like who's whoever's got to go out and sing this thing to be like yes I love it and if I won't feel good if I like they keep my part but they're not 100% on it that doesn't feel good like yeah yeah a sympathy a sympathy part you know and also I would never let him forget it I'd be like you 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 never let me you put that thing in that I hate yeah (laughs) so we always find peace and harmony before anything makes it to out into the world yeah such a I hate to use the word but it's such a mature stance on that good 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 for you that's that's awesome the end here there's a cool echoey guitar kind of panned off to the right at the end of pre-chorus two and those drum hits and the claps that uh lynn lynn drum machine man those claps are just it's again it's a hook within this song chorus number two same lyric as chorus number one no matter how far 
Way through, we get the vibra slap. Um, I'm going to mention that every time it's in here. Um, (laughs) Then we get a guitar, what I'm calling the solo, but it's not a solo like a noodly thing. This is a really interesting part, and I feel that this is. Again, I'm going to use the word mature. I feel like you might not have done this a record or two ago. There's some restraint here that I feel is perfect for the part, Kevin. There's an overdriven guitar riff here. It's it's more than a solo. I wrote that it's simple but perfect for the part. It's for about eight bars, and then halfway through, there's these, uh, like a ha-ha-ha or a hey-hey-hey that, that Amy does, followed by three toasts, the cha-cha-cha-cha-cha. good ear chris i try i try amy thank you um that guitar riff kevin that you're playing there again it was like it's like a solo departure part but it wasn't like this noodly bunch of notes solo how did that come about because i i like the subtlety of that part so that part it's a dyad i guess you would say like the actual lead part there's a root note underneath that i'm playing at the same time and the way the whole entire bridge came about, it's, this is another one of those songs where we had the pieces, but we didn't have a bridge. And in the process of going through all of our voice memos, I had written this guitar riff that went, just like the guitar solo did. And Amy wrote this uh, hook to it. We thought it was a hook. She's like, I'm tired of running, I'm tired of running. And then he used to go, I'm tired of running. Oh, yeah. And it was going to be its own song. It's, yeah. And then when we were doing our song inventory for this, you know, we were talking. She's like, how many songs about running could we possibly? And I'm like, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> she, she, So we, in the mirror, needed a bridge. And like, transpose it to that key and try playing it at that tempo. And the thing that came out was this. So we were like, that was just kind of the 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 genesis of that part in general, because that part was its own autonomous song that was yeah. written uh, during the lockdown. Oh, that's, that's cool, because it's funny that you, that you say that, because the, the part almost sounds like like something's coming, that like there's going to be something else, but it, it's kind of, there's some tension there. that and, and what does come is eventually the lyric of the bridge. When you say, I'm tired of running, one, two, three, four, five, seven times, you say, I'm tired of running, with harmonies, only on the last three, I'm tired of running. So, so it builds there. And at the, the last one, uh, the band stops and we go into chorus three. And that's when you go up an octave. And it's just awesome. This part right here, 
you know, the whole song leading up to this part, I must have listened to this 10 times. Finally, I had to get the guitar out because you do a fake out here. You go from like a C sharp to an A flat that doesn't happen in the chorus. It is so awesome. What, how did that, how, and it's weird too, because when it flips back to the regular progression, it almost gives me this nanosecond, this jarring feeling, but then you're back in the groove again. How did that, that uh, turnaround come about with those chord changes? Well, the interesting thing about the chord change is all we're doing is we're dropping out before the one where the C sharp would happen. So there's silence, so there is no C sharp. Or not, C, it wouldn't be C sharp. It would be B, B flat minor or whatever the first chord of okay. course is. So it's implied, but it's not there because it's an acapella break. And, you know, sometimes you'll do an acapella break into the one of the course. This is an acapella break into the second bar of the course. That was an Amy thing. She just wanted everything to stop and no matter how far. And that's just the chord we, we were supposed to land on because it was like we were taking the chorus and just chopping that first bar, maybe. What's well, what I wanted to, it's what I wanted to do. Okay, so when I said I'm tired of running seven times, I wanted to paint the picture of like how truly exhausting it is. So you're kind of exhausted, like it sort of paints this picture of like, I'm tired of running, I'm tired, like, like it, it kind of says like, I'm doing this over and over and over and over, it's the same thing. And in feeling that, it's like, I just wanted to be like, scream, like, no matter how, like, I just wanted to scream the pain that I was feeling. And the music wasn't doing that at the time. I'm like, just everything, there's a stop. And like, let me just like scream yeah. this. And Kevin's like, all right, I, I, I know what to do. Yeah. Boy, <laughs> you you, you want to talk about a chorus lifting with the fake out and, and, and coming in on, on the weird measure uh, and, and where your vocal goes, Amy, this whole thing, it just, um, it, it completely lifts. And I don't have many notes here. I'll, I'll uh, read what I wrote. Amy's voice goes up an octave screaming by herself, no matter how far I run, uh, to lead into chorus number three. And uh, it, it's the kitchen sink here, as we call it at the end. There is so much going on to try to break it down and be confusing to the listeners. But basically, I just love it. Uh, you got Amy screaming up top. The chorus is still going underneath. And at some point, you get like the gang vocal with harmonies of In the Mirror. Oh, yeah. It is also mixed back in there. The whole thing's just... Sometimes we, you know, we I call it the kitchen sink or a train wreck. Uh, yeah. Train wrecks can be great at the end of a song, or they can be awful. Uh, kind of what you talked about earlier, like man, it's distracting. We got to take that out, but everything seems to work here. The song ends with the Clash police guitar at the end on that on on mirror with the echo, and the and, and the song fades out. Zach mixing the end. Oh man, was I mean a true? He is a true master. I mean because that is quite challenging and difficult to mix that and what he did in the end how he made every so much clarity in the in the gang background vocals with the twins and kevin yeah. singing in the mirror and getting the clarity of my voice and, and the instruments up front without Man. having it totally push everything else down it, it was well, masterful science. masterful and really difficult to, yeah. to, to do that but he pulled it off he totally did and that's crazy you say that because your vocal is soaring above and then the root chorus is there but you also get the in the mirrors the gangs you're doing which is doesn't happen anywhere else in the song and he pulled off a mixing uh, a mixing feat here he did, he did a great job and and as i said the, the the whole track is awesome and amy before we wrap up when you heard the song finally finally realized 
and finally back at you coming through the speakers and you heard that mix or maybe you were in your in your airpods taking a walk and you heard that mix for the first time what'd you feel like i think i cried (laughs) um i probably cried tears of gratitude because it's it was we worked so hard on it and it's just finally to get out what i've been holding in for so long and hopefully you know somebody out there will feel less alone when they hear it just that feeling that maybe somebody out there will hear it and they'll feel comforted they already feel less alone go read the comments i've seen it (laughs) it's 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 beautiful thank you chris so i mean yeah i'm really i i i'm really grateful for how it turned out and um and, you know, this is like basically the first time I'm telling my story and kind of what I've struggled with on a more personal level. And um, so I'm, you know, I'm glad that I we could talk about it. And yeah, and I'm glad well, I, <laughs> like, I, 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 I think we're all kind of at a loss for words. You, 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 you said a lot today. And, and thank you. And, and I already told you, you've already helped people. I know this is going to help people listening to it. And uh, I, I'm uh, a champion of your band. I know you both know this. Uh, I, I sport the hoodie all the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're the best. We got to get you some. We, when we get some more uh, merch, we'll send it to you. I, I, I know. But uh, I, I can't be more proud. Um, the stars just keep lining up for you. Um, well, there's part stars, but it's the hard work that you, you've put in the last decade. And I can't think of a, of a nicer uh, bunch of guys and a gal that is more deserving of the success that you've had and that you're going to continue to have. And I'm, I'm, I'm proud to call you my friends. Thank you. Thank well, you thank so you. much, Chris. And also, people like you who took us on tour very early on. Yes. And, you know, gave us a shot. Yeah. Gave us a set to, like, be able to play in front of your fan base. I mean... All of that stuff just added up, and and we could not be more grateful for for your friendship, but also like as a band and, and like, your advice over the years. Yeah. Like we really respect and have listened to you, and thank you for being so awesome to us. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you. The record is great. In the wild, August fifth, two thousand twenty-two, Hellcat Records. Check it out, uh, Amy, Kevin. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you, Chris. So much. There's lots more Chris to Makes a Podcast after a few words from our sponsors. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effie Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. What's up, everybody? I'm Johnny Christ from Avenged Sevenfold, and I've got the podcast for you. It's called Drinks with Johnny, where I sit down with some of my contemporaries in the music industry, like Robert Trujillo, Metallica, Shavo Dijian of System of a Down, so many more punk rock legends like Fat Mike and Jay Bentley, and all their people of all different walks of life. I get to sit down and give you perspective and an inside look into their lives. So go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere you get your podcasts right now.
Hey, everybody. If you like Krista Makes a Podcast, I'm going to assume that you like music podcasts. And if you like music podcasts, check out One Hit Thunder. Each week, we dive into a one-hit wonder, and along the way, we gain some knowledge and have some laughs. Lou Bega, Crazy Town, Harvey Danger, The New Radicals, AHA. We're over 100 episodes in now, and to paraphrase the great Matthew Wilder, nothing's going to break our stride. Subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know. Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Chris to Makes a Podcast, all you have to do is email your best song via MP3 only and bio to bandyoumightnotknow at gmail.com. This week's featured artist is The Venomous Pinks, a three-piece punk rock band from Mesa, Arizona, consisting of Drea Dahl on guitar and vocals, Gabby Chaos on bass and vocals, and Cassie Jalili on the drums. Their first album, entitled Vita Moors, will be released on June 3rd via SBAM Records. Here's a snippet of their song, No Rules. The Rap with Chris and Chris. Chris, it's so cool that you're able to talk to Amy and Kevin on so many levels, on a lyric level, on a production level, on just songwriting in general. I said this to you before you started recording, but that whole band, they're the real deal in every way. Oh, they are. Um, they've, they've worked their butts off to get where they're at. But they are immensely talented. Uh, having three siblings in a band, you can't put a price tag on that. Uh, especially two of them being twins. Uh, twins are notorious for finishing each other's sentences and thoughts. And there's just this cohesion within that rhythm section. They are just one of the tightest live bands. Um, Amy has always been a good singer, but she's better now i think than she's ever been uh the band is just uh firing on all cylinders man they're killing it i'm really jealous that they all live together and get to just make music every day that's always been my dream to just get up and be with the people that i can be creative with in whatever way music any way possible to be creative with other people and and like they said you know and and, and for the listeners you know kevin and amy are married so they <laughs> they're together all the time and then you got the twins who they were living in back what i think is now the studio and that was when we went there uh in 2015 to do vocals for uh the say it out loud record and just uh i, I even mentioned the episode where at some point do you ever have to take a break and step away? And it doesn't seem like they do. They seem just just so kind of even kiltered and just, you know, anything that does arise, it's an issue. They let it roll off their uh, off their shoulders. That's how you succeed, man. You keep doing what you do and, and you keep getting better at it. I thought it was really cool. I obviously haven't heard the album yet. Yeah, Chris didn't even send it to me. <laughs> he, he keeps his word. I've, I've had albums sent to me too where you, you, that's that's – proper etiquette you're not sending it to people but uh i think it's cool that they made an album that tells a story chris the art of the album is starting to get more and more lost these days we're in a singles driven world so i love 
that the interrupters still value the album. Well, and that's why I had listened to it in sequence. You know, I had I had kind of scooted around when he first sent it to me. I'd listened to this track and oh, I like this one. I love In the Mirror. I love the track Raised by Wolves, the ballad Alien, just all really cool songs. Uh, but finally, when I got on that plane ride, I said, I'm going to listen to this because, you know, they're they're old school enough. They're, they're not that young to where they grew up in the uh, era of the album. And I bet they uh, I bet there's a cohesion to this from track one till the end. And there was. I thought it was obviously so cool that Amy was willing to be so candid with us about what the song is about. I know that people, like you said, read the YouTube comments. People are already taking away meaning from the song. But I think this is just a whole nother level. And who out there can't relate in one way or another, whether you can super relate or just kind of relate to what Amy was talking about, everything from dealing with alcohol to just anxiety in general, man, it was so awesome of her to open up for the podcast today. That was so cool. Yeah. I, I didn't quite know how else to say it to her. We've, you know, we've, we've had a few guests on here that have opened up about really deeply personal stuff and you could, you could see that it was, it was affecting Amy at one point. She, you know, seemed like she was getting a, getting a little misty eyed. She said, you're, you're going to make me cry. Cause it's obviously, uh, you know, she, she's healed a lot, but there, there's still that underlying, uh, at least the memory of that, that, that pain that she went through. And I, I was kind of like second guessing myself. Should I say this in the episode? And, and, and I went ahead and talked about uh, that night. Uh, I think we were in Germany and I'm just walking backstage and I see her huddled in the corner and she's just, I mean, she was a mess. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I didn't know what, you know, you're, you're thinking the worst, like, you know, a family member back home passed away or something, or she got the worst news in the world. And she was having a debilitating panic attack and she's trying to explain this to me. And again, to me, it was just, it was out of left field. Cause she was always, as she said, the life of the party, that whole right. band, we've, we've had some times with them. They're, they're, they're so fun. And I, I never knew, uh, I, I never knew that underlying, uh, uh, pain she was going through. I mean, talk about the most relatable thing in the world drinking to overcome anxiety or social anxiety and all of a sudden you're the life of the party for a while but then you have to wake up sober and look at yourself in the mirror it has to be very rare that someone can't relate to that you know i feel like we've all been there alcohol has been getting uh, people with two left feet on the dance floor for centuries right, right. so yeah <laughs> no it's uh it's uh the you know little social uh, lubrication but yeah she she really opened up and and you can tell that's why I asked her at the end you know what what was that like hearing this and she said I I I cried and and uh but it's just the song again I'm going to talk about the mix this guy Zach just I can't say enough about him he just really it uh it's undeniably interrupters it's not like they took a, a huge left turn mm-hmm. but uh, the mix especially at the end uh with that uh kitchen sink train wreck we're calling it the the mix that's going on there at the end to be able to hear the separation with all the parts it, it's so crazy how much stuff's going on at the end i didn't even try to break it all the, now this comes into the listeners it would just been confusing because it was getting confusing to me i just kind of took it in as a musical piece and just kind of kind of left it at that you know, people that are really good at mixing, it's almost like they could be called a scientist, a sound scientist, because it's not just turning up the volumes on things. I think that that might be what a lot of people think. That's what I thought as a young musician. Oh, they're just adjusting the volumes on things. There's so much more to it to make things cut through in the mix. That's what Amy was talking about at the end there, about that 
end of the song and how amazing it was that he made her vocal cut through, but also the backup vocals cut through and all the individual instruments. It, there's a science to it. Well, it's about knowing your frequencies and how to EQ and how to compress and and uh, and when to back off those things. It's kind of like what I said at the top of the episode with Kevin. I said, Hi, you know, when are you done with getting a, the greatest guitar tone you've ever got? You can keep going to the point where, you know, and a lot of times I'll get a guitar sound I like and I'll record it and then I'll mute it. I'll put it over here and I'll keep working on it. And nine times out of 10, I end up going back to that one. I end up trying to cook it too much, you know, and, uh, you know, with mixers, they, uh, they have to know all of those things. They have to know, uh, uh, when to EQ, when, or or how to EQ. And and most importantly, when to stop, it sounds great. Stop messing with it. Right. And Kevin being the producer, but also in the band, like he's in the thick of things. He's not an outside perspective. He's He's in the heat. He's in the heat of it right there. So it's extra impressive yeah. that he is able to do that. I think Kevin is awesome. Like, I want him to produce my band. <laughs> he, he is, and he has the best personality to be a producer. He has the best mindset and the best attitude, and uh, he, he he's going to go far. I, I can guarantee you that because, as we've talked about uh, on the show before, uh, uh, you know, producers are kind of like uh, poor man psychiatrists, psychologists. They have to get in there, and he has the perfect perfect even killed uh even killed attitude to, to do so right yeah chris i was gonna i was gonna ask you do you think the interrupters will be my friend <laughs> just I, I, i'm working on it i want to be friends with them <laughs> i i can say without a doubt they'll be your friend and you know who else should be our friends chris who's that those people that haven't joined our supporting cast yet we'd love them to join our supporting cast as our friends we're, we're, we're friends with a lot of people we, we want to have more friends yeah you know what we make podcasts we make a lot of podcasts chris i know everyone's hearing this podcast but you know that we make another podcast every week for our supporting cast which you can go to christamakes.com and then you can start listening to the after party there's a huge back catalog of it and um I think the after party episodes are sometimes, a lot of times, just as good as the regular episode of Krista Makes a Podcast. Is that outrageous to say? It's not outrageous to say. And every once in a while, we do uh, Zoom parties with uh, our, our group. We'll get you live and we'll answer your questions. Uh, you'll also be eligible to be a contestant on Defeat to Makes, our music trivia show. So again, go to KristaMakes.com to sign up for our supporting cast VIP program. We'd love to have you. And uh, yeah. Uh, hit our Facebook group. We're at 4,000 members now in our Chris Makes a Podcast Facebook group. I can't believe, I never ever thought I'd have a Facebook group for anything, let alone the podcast, and it's grown to 4,000 people. Thank you for the support. Uh, Please join us there if uh, you haven't already. It's a great place to come talk about music, and pretty much only music. Not that you can't talk about other stuff, but I think it's really cool, Chris, that we've had that since we started this podcast. We've had this silly Facebook group. It's not silly. It's fun. But everyone comes in there and talks about music. And I don't think there's ever been any like fighting or bad mouthing each other or anything. It's just been people that love music talking about music. So yeah, if you look up Krista makes a podcast on Facebook, uh, join it. It's fun. We'd love to have you uh, be another one of our friends in there. It'd be great. And yeah, that's a wrap. I want to thank this week's guest, Amy and Kevin from the interrupters. And we'll see you next week. Do you enjoy the content and production of Krista Makes a Podcast? Do you have an idea for a podcast or an existing podcast that you'd like to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. At WeKnowPodcasting.com, we have over 25 years of combined experience in the pod field, and we're ready to help you succeed in the golden era of podcasting. 
Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Mods to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to something about the Beatles, now on Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts.